Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. Think of a knot. Think of the world in a knot. And nobody can do anything about it. In fact, at a time like this, Jesus warned that the world would see all of its problems with no way out, the word means. And then comes this man. He's going to untie the knots of the world's problems, and the world's going to love this guy. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. Your Bible, scholars differ, but it doesn't matter. 27 to 33% of the Bible is prophetic in nature. That discipline is called eschatology, the study of the future things of God revealed in the Bible. You need to know that. Over a quarter of the Bible deals with future events that have yet to take place. Why is that important? The Bible tells us in Old and New Testament, God announces, I've told you things in advance that when they happen, you will know that I'm God. And all of the religions of the world, by the way, cannot do that. Most of them don't even try. A few of them have some false prophecies. uh, But most stay out of it because it's, it's something, listen, you don't need to doubt the word of God if you study Bible prophecy. God gave us, as our friend Dr. Ed Heinsohn told us, God gave us Bible prophecy not to scare us, but to prepare us. You're to know this. So I don't want to know this stuff. No, no, don't fall. That's a satanic trick. He, do, he doesn't want you to know. In fact, listen, that's what the enemy cannot do. The Bible's very clear about prophets of God and false prophets, isn't it? And Jesus warns in the last days before he returns and establishes his kingdom. And the church age for the last 2,000 years has been warned. Peter warned us that men from among our own selves will rise up and deceive others. That deception, false teaching, false prophets is something that you need to be equipped to recognize, listen, or you'll be deceived by them. You'll be swept away and you won't even know it. So a little bit of background, when Paul went to Thessalonica on one of his mission journeys, and by the way, you can go there today, and it's one of the oldest cities in the world, and um, when he went there, he started a Bible study. You know, Paul did that. He showed up in town, he started preaching, and he was awesome. He always did it at a synagogue. He went to a, which makes total sense. He went, he said, why did he disrupt the synagogue? Excuse me, he went to set straight the synagogue. He showed up at a synagogue and and began to teach. Remember, there was no New Testament then. He opened up the Old Testament and taught Jesus. He taught the cross. He taught the resurrection from the Old Testament. He would interpret the scriptures and then they would throw them out. They didn't want to hear about it. They had their system set up. They had their religion intact. And then Paul comes along and says, wait a minute. This is the one that Zechariah spoke about. This is the one that Ezekiel spoke about. This is the one that Isaiah spoke about. And Micah spoke about. And the psalmist spoke about. This is the one that God himself, through Moses, in chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 15, said would be the one that would come up against Satan for the souls of men. 
And so he would show up in a synagogue. He shows up and he preaches the gospel. And in Thessalonica, Jews got saved. And then Gentiles got saved. And Paul gave them 1 Thessalonians. You ought to read it. Five chapters. And all five chapters, there's a verse in each of the chapters promising the rapture of the church to those who would be waiting and watching for when Christ returned. All five chapters. And then when Paul left, some goobers came along and said, well, Paul was mistaken. And we're going to prove Paul was mistaken. And they began to say this. Listen, they said, have you guys noticed the rise of persecution in the Roman Empire? Yeah, that's because we're in the tribulation period, they told the people. Christ, listen, you missed that opportunity. We're in it. And this is the way it's going to be. And they were troubled. And Paul heard about it and he wrote them 2 Thessalonians to calm them down. And he gave them incredible doctrine about the last days. And he did this 2,000 years ago. You say, I don't know, church I came from never talked about this stuff. Why not? The church talked about it 2,000 years ago. We're to be talking about it now. We're closer now than they were then. Very amazing. And I know we use the term Antichrist. We'll talk about this in a moment. But uh, there's over 100 references of the Antichrist in the last days in the New Testament. But rarely is he called the Antichrist. That's reserved to the Apostle John. John calls him the Antichrist, but don't be bothered by that. He's throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. He's revealed in the Bible as the beast. I don't think that comes to a surprise to many of you. He's known in the Bible as the beast. By the way, this is how God sees, this is kind of cool, write it down, the beast. This is how God sees global characters from the book of Daniel to the book of Revelation, you want to know something. When God looks down from heaven and then speaks to mankind about what God sees, he sees mankind in its leadership roles as animals. He calls them leopards. He calls them bears. He calls them, you hear what I'm saying? And this one, the Bible says, God calls him the beast. Now, from Earth's perspective, for example, in the book of Daniel, Alexander the Great is referred to as a leopard. Alexander the Great was viewed as Alexander the Great. He's one of the great warring heroes of antiquity. That's how humans see him. That's not how God sees them. God sees human empires differently. Boy, don't you wonder how God sees America? We can kind of get an idea with our start as a nation, but how did, how did a nation start the way we did and wind up the way that we are? We've abandoned God. So God says this is a beast. And the Bible calls him a beast. Revelation 11 verse 7 says, When they, that's the two witnesses that you read about in your Bible. You can read about them. They're two Jewish witnesses. One is absolutely Elijah. The other one we don't know. God causes them to appear on the earth during the tribulation period. Two of these fiery prophets. And the Bible says that when their testimony is over, they, listen, they speak for three and a half years. And the Bible says the beast or the Antichrist that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. 
You can read that more in the book of Revelation. It is absolutely awesome. The beast, watch this. See, Jack, I thought you said the beast is the Antichrist, but it says that uh, he comes up out of the bottomless pit. Yeah, listen to this. Think of a glove and a hand going into a glove. The glove is the beast, and the hand going into the glove is Satan himself. A man who will be absolutely satanically possessed by the actual personification of Satan. Satan will take on flesh in this man called the Antichrist, or in this case, the beast. And he's referred to many different symbols in scripture, but it's crystal clear as to who he is. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. Revelation 13, 1. Then I, it's John speaking, stood on the sand of the sea. If you're a Bible, what's known as an eschatologist or a student of Bible prophecy, the sea is a reference to humanity, always. When it's put in a prophetic setting, like a diamond, what is the context? End time scenario. Who are the players? End time persons or personalities. John says, I'm standing, as it were, on the shore, and I see this thing happening in the sea. What did I see? He says, a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Seven heads speak of seven authorities. Ten horns, you can take the word horn. And by the way, if you're Jewish, you already, you already know what I'm going to say. Because in, in the Old Testament, a horn is a king. Ten kings. And there's seven dominant authorities out of the ten kings. What's really amazing right now, you guys, is that the world is starting to fragment up. Watch this. The world is starting to break up into parts. Uh, there's no longer any global superpower. That's over. Wake up. It's over. The United States is not the world's superpower. We are now one among many. And the Bible says that there's going to be a division of ten nations or ten kings, horns, that will rule over the earth in the last days. And on his horns, ten crowns, and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Verse 2, now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like that, the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Look at this. The dragon we don't have to guess who this is, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So the beast and the dragon get together. One is human, one is not. And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded. Remember this, everybody. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worship the dragon. Isn't that interesting? You think there would ever be a rise in satanic worship? Who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? The Bible says there's going to be a leader that comes onto the world scene. Now, very quickly, we'll get into this more later, but watch this. You're going to hear... In future studies from the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, by the way, you'll never understand the book of Revelation unless you read the book of Daniel. When somebody says, I don't get it, I don't, I don't understand the book of Revelation. Well, it's because you didn't read the book of Daniel. That's why. You're going to hear about this guy who is this beast, but he doesn't apparently start out that way. 
The Bible says that there's 10 kings or 10 horns, but there's an 11th horn. It's a little horn. Maybe he's an undersecretary of. We don't know. He's somebody insignificant. We know that for a fact. He's somehow associated with the power group, but he's not well known. Something's going to happen that is going to move him up in a very quick period of time. We're talking about a time frame that could easily, listen, that could easily commence any time now in our current world because this guy will advance, will advance on the global scene until he has an idea. And the Bible tells us what his idea is. So watch this. Look around the world right now and look at nations and look how stable they are or unstable they are. Look how leaderless the world is at this moment. Look at the things that are going on in the Middle East, mostly specifically Israel. Look at what's happening in the United States as it wanes in power and off the world scene of influence. We've abandoned the Middle East. We've abandoned so much and others have stepped in. There's a great global shift taking place right now. But my point is this, when he's the little horn insignificant, you and I should know something about this by way of example. Let's be honest. In 2004, none of you knew who Barack Obama was. Not a single one of you knew who Barack Obama was. And then he becomes a senator. He goes from a community organizer, seriously, to a senator. And was a senator for about nine months and becomes a president. Unheard of. My point is this, if it can happen in the U.S. of A, imagine what's going to happen when the, all of the stars, so to speak, align. There's just the right crises. There's just the right economics. There's just the right issues or fear of war. And somebody's got an idea. This world will catapult that person forward. In fact, the Bible tells us that out of the 10, the 11th horn will arise amongst them. And he will subdue the major spokespersons of them or the leaders. He'll put down three and take over completely. The little horn, Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. I was considering the horns, Daniel said. By the way, it's 10 of them, just like John. 10 of them. And there was another horn, a little one. Doesn't that sound kind of cute? Oh, he did the little horn. Coming up among them. You ever seen like a weed coming up in your beautiful garden? Before whom three of the kings were plucked out by the roots. He destroys three of those ten leaders. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, like a human. And a mouth speaking pompous words. It's very eerie. He's got eyes like a human because he is a human, but it implies that his words are not human. But listen to this. Daniel chapter 8 verse 23 tells us that he's not only a little horn, but he's the king of fierce countenance. This is kind of a, an amazing thing. The Bible gives us details about this antichrist individual. He has a fierce countenance. The Bible says, Daniel 8, 23, and in the latter time of their kingdom, 
during the reign of the ten, when the transgressors, listen to this, have reached their fullness. That is an amazing statement. So what does that mean? It means when sin has reached its full level, full mark. When sin, imagine, imagine a beaker. You know a beaker, remember science class, lab, the beaker? And imagine God is looking at this beaker and sin is going up. And when it reaches a certain point, God says, that's it. Imagine, look at the world, look what, look at the world. What's happening in the area of evil? And now evil, evil is shouting at you as though it's a virtue. Evil is saying, you're wrong. We're right, you're wrong. If you stand up and say, hey, that's wrong. You shouldn't castrate a little child like that. You're evil for thinking that. They'll blame you for being a weirdo. That's how sick things have gotten. Listen. (laughs) It's not personal. People people write me, people tell me, boy, if I find you in an alley some night, I'm gonna... Listen, here's the deal. I feel like it's not personal. If the, people, the people that are doing insane demonic things are actually doing the doctrines of demons and spiritual deception right now. You're living it. You're seeing it in the newspaper every day. It's being debated. It's on the radio. Don't miss it. The tendency for us to, we're humans. We're so lame. We miss so much all the time. Listen, I'll quote that verse again because I interrupted myself. <laughs> and in the latter time of their kingdom, Daniel 8, 23, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having a fierce countenance who understands sinister schemes. That's a terrifying word. It means that there's nothing that he cannot unpack. Think of a knot. Think of the world in a knot. And nobody can do anything about it. In fact, at a time like this, Jesus warned that the world would see all of its problems with no way out, the word means. And then comes this man. Notice, out of the 10-nation confederacy of leaders that are soon to take up residence in the world, this world, someone's going to have a good idea. And they're going to solve a problem. And they're going to go up a little notch, just a little horn, but he's got a fierce countenance. The word fierce countenance means that he has a strong, mighty, rough look. It's arrogant, brazen, it's intimidating. When this man comes on the scene, he's gonna untie the knots of the world's problems and the world's gonna love this guy. And he's gonna go up, that little horn is getting bigger. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener-supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected.